Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Transformational Truth Podcast. In today's episode, I wanted to share with you an excerpt from a message that I recently shared on the topic of depression and isolation. I feel like this is an important message that right now in this season can't get enough attention. Specifically, I feel like oftentimes for many, many years in the church, we haven't understood depression and we didn't know how to navigate it. And sadly, in some instances, we did more harm than we did good. It's my hope and my prayer that today's episode of Transformational Truths will help to shed some light on this important issue of depression and offer some hope to people who feel like they're wrestling in the darkness. I want to talk to you about this for a minute because I don't think that the church has spent enough time talking about it. I don't think we know how to handle depression. I don't think we know how to navigate it. And I think, quite frankly, for many years in the, in the body of Christ at large, because of misconceptions of what it means to be depressed, that we have almost demonized the person who is. And, and here's what for many years we've done. We've, we've told people who came to us who feel depressed, we've told them this, well, brother, sister, you must just not be praying enough. Or we've told them, well, you must not be in your word enough. Or we've told them, well, you must not be doing enough for God. And that's a really dangerous thing to do because what do you do when you tell somebody that the reason you're in the darkness is because of you? And when they do all the things you told them to do, they're still walking in the dark. You know what it does? It pushes people deeper into the hole of depression. And so now it's in a real bad place because people say, well, there must be something wrong with you. You don't need to see no doctor. You just need to come up here for prayer. Let me explain something to you. Let me explain something to you. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe the power of prayer can break depression. But I also believe this. I also believe sometimes, sometimes Jesus works through doctors. Sometimes, I know, I know I'm gonna catch some flack for this. Sometimes Jesus works through medicine. We have had people for years in the church wrestle with depression. They've come up to every altar call that was given. They've been anointed with more oil than they have in their car. <laughs> True story. Anointed with more oil than they have in their car by great men and women of God who have prayed and prayed, prayed the fire. You know, I mean, and all that happened and they're still wrestling with this depression and we just tell them that it's, listen to me, church, we've got to do a better job. We've got to do a better job. And this issue is real because I don't, there's many factors that can lead you into a, a state of depression, but isolation is one of them. Isolation, when you're by yourself in a dark place, it can over time lead to a very depressed state. And depression is very real. We have been bombarded over the last five to 10 years with shocking headlines in the newspapers. Watch this, of lead pastors of thriving churches taking their own life just before church started. Elders would go into their office to see why they're not out there for church to start. And they found out that in the office, in their office, they took their own life because they were wrestling with depression. But, but, but the whole church world says, well, if you're, a, if you're a spiritual person, you should never feel depressed. So where does that leave believers who feel depressed? Can't talk about it. 
Don't know who to talk to about it. And depression's real. And there are natural ebbs and flows in life. And sometimes you will go into a, a place where you feel kind of depressed. And then there are, there's different levels of the different kinds of depression. But depression is real. But listen to me carefully. Just because you're depressed doesn't mean, listen, God did not stop loving you. That does not mean you're not spiritual or you're not full of Jesus or, or you're still not called by God or whatever the case might be that you're wrestling with. When, you're, when you feel that state of depression, and we've all felt it, I've felt it. There have been times I've felt depressed. I felt very low. We've all felt it. In fact, you guys ready for this? Before we start to be like, well, if you're really spiritual, did you know this? Right now in America, right now in America, seven out of 10 lead pastors are depressed. Seven out of 10. That's, that study is a year and a half old. So that means it was just, just before COVID hit. Can I tell you what COVID did to spiritual leaders? There are spiritual leaders who are still spiritually hemorrhaging because of 2020. And if we've got shepherds and pastors who are depressed, but can't talk about it, what do we really think is happening in the body? Depression does not mean that God's forsaking you. And depression does not mean that you are useful. Depression doesn't mean you don't have value. These are all lies the enemy will tell you about feeling depressed. And many Christians, listen to me, many Christians have confessed this. They fear admitting they're depressed because people might think they're unspiritual or that something is wrong with them. And it creates this environment where it's easier to step into the waters of isolation because I want to isolate myself. I don't want to admit that I'm wrestling with, with depression. And, and this is interesting to me. Watch this. It has been reported that one of the primary contributing factors of depression is something called incongruence. Let me explain what this is. Incongruence is essentially this. When my public life doesn't match my private life, anxiety and depression slip in the middle. Because I don't feel like I can be publicly who I am privately. And so publicly I put on a face, but privately I'm wrestling. I'm unsure. And the enemy creeps in, watch this, in this in-between space. That's incongruence. And this is exactly where Elijah found himself. Watch this. Publicly, everyone's like, dang, do you see what Elijah did on, on the mountain? He just took out like 800 prophets. That's his public image. Privately, Elijah is suffering. Privately, he's smitten with fear. Privately, he is overwhelmed. He is afraid. The guy who just took one guy, took out 800 people, everyone's like, what a success. Privately, he's scared to death. And in an in-between space, this depressed state has come in. And don't say, well, that's Elijah. He wasn't depressed. Are you kidding me? He said, God, kill me. How much more clearer can it get? The prophet was so depressed. He's like, hey, Lord, I'm done with this. Just take me out. I'm the only one left. And I want you to watch what the Lord does with Elijah, his prophet. He loved Elijah like he loves you. I want you to watch what the Lord does, how he manages this. And so the first thing he does, he says, he's struggling with fear. And he says, God, I don't know what to do. And, and God, he's, God starts with giving Elijah incredible encouragement. He gives him a word. He said, Elijah, I know how you feel, but I've got good news for you. You're not the only one left. He said, I'm not. He said, no, I've got 7,000. Okay, that's encouraging. Amen. I thought it was just me. 
No, I've got 7,000. That's encouraging, amen? But can I ask you a question? How did the premier prophet not know about the 7,000? You see, when you isolate yourself for too long, your perspective gets poisoned. And you start to live in a world that you created. And he said, here's his world. I'm the only one left and I'm the only one right. And God says, actually, no, no, Elijah. You've been isolating yourself for so long that you created a story and a narrative around your life that's not real, but it feels real. Because this is the day, watch this, this highlights the dangers of isolation. Because when I, watch this, in isolation, our perception starts to become our source of truth. Because the only one we're talking to is ourself. If the only person you're having a conversation with is you, then your perception became your source of truth. And if you're the only one in your world, that means everyone in your world thinks exactly like you do. God says, you're, uh, Elijah, you're so isolated and your perspective is so limited that I first want to do something. I want to bring healing to your perspective and tell you good news. I've got 7,000 prophets I've been saving. You're not alone. He had convinced himself and the enemy had convinced him that he was alone. That's the first thing he does, but he didn't stop there. Elijah's so depressed, he's having such a hard time believing the encouraging word. In fact, go home and read it. It's really a a fascinating exchange. So he gives him the good news. I've got 7,000, it's okay. And uh, Elijah responds. And you know what Elijah responds with? The same thing. It's like he didn't even hear God. Any parents ever hear you ever talk to your kids? And you swore, didn't I just tell you? And Elijah's like, but I'm the only one left and everyone else is rotten and I'm the only true prophet left. And he's like, I just told you. He's like, okay, you need more than encouragement, I see. The next thing he tells him to do, he said, I want you to take some oil and I want you to go find Elisha. And I want you to anoint him, watch this, and I want you to mentor him. God said, here's how I'm gonna heal you. I'm calling you to a relationship. And I want you to spend all of your time with this young man, Elisha. And I want you, yes, Elisha was Elijah's successor, but he was more than that. You ready? He was medicine. He called him into this incredible relationship. And never again do you hear him pray this prayer. God, kill me, I'm done. What relationship has God called you into? Because sometimes God answers your prayer by, by the touch and the moment. Sometimes that happens. It does sometimes. But other times he calls you into even more abundance than that. And he calls you into relationship. What relationship has he called you into? Elijah was in a low place and God lifted him out. In fact, Elijah had one of the most spectacular, incredible ends to his ministry. It's not every day that you're literally taken by a chariot of fire. I mean, he ends with a bang. 
And he ends and Elisha, the prophet who he invested in, looks, he says, my Lord, my Lord, look, 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 the chariots are coming. And, and he sees these chariots of fire coming down and he stands there and he's taken away and his mantle falls and Elisha picks it up and they had been together so long. He, he stepped in behind him and he began to walk in this great anointing. In fact, the Bible says he did twice the number of miracles that Elijah did. But all of this was birthed out of relationship. Who are you in relationship with? No man is an island. Worship team, would you come right now? No man is an island. Every single human being needs relationship. But Pastor, what if I elect not to? Well, you can. God won't stop loving you. God won't abandon you. But you will never experience the fullness of the abundant life that Jesus said he, you, he came to give you. I want to tell you this morning, there's more. There's more. I believe so strongly in the power of God's word that I believe there's power in declaring it. And in just a moment, I want to do that. I, I was getting ready and I was praying about how to wrap this service up. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to declare a word over the people. And he said, I'm going to use that word to bring healing. You know, the Bible says you sent your word and it healed me. I'm going to declare a word in just a second over you. I want to read it first before I declare it. And I'm going to invite you in just a second, if you're comfortable, to come up to the front so I can declare this over you. Or you can sit in your seat if you want to. But, but I just sensed when I was getting ready in my office this morning, that the Holy Spirit said there will be people in the room that are in despair. There will be people in the room wrestling with depression. There'll be people in the room who feel lonely. And he said, that today, I just want to be a father to my children. Romans chapter 15 says, now may God, the foundation of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope. May you radiate with hope. So I wrapped up this message by declaring a passage of scripture over the church, and I would like to declare that over you before we wrap up this podcast episode. It was a passage from the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 13. I pray that God, the fountain of hope, would fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. God has not forgotten you, and God is not finished with you. Thank <laughs> you.